welcome to a special episode of the Planet X Cinema Podcast. I'm Drew Hicks. I am Blair Hicks. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, we've we've kind of batted this idea around, but um, we are a pop-up movie theater. We don't just have the podcast. We don't just take people's suggestions for movies and, and flesh them out. And so uh, we, we spend a lot of time planning and uh, showcasing movies at live events. And our next screening is November the 30th uh, in Southdown in San Antonio. We're showing Time Cop. And we thought it might be fun to dive in and talk about why we're showing Time Cop. One of the really thing, one of the things that makes Planet X really special is that we don't show movies we don't love. So we don't, we're not sanctimonious. We don't show movies that we hate. We don't make fun of bad movies. We actually legitimately love these movies and we show them because we love them. And we thought it might be cool to introduce some new special episodes where we just take some time to talk about why we actually love these movies. So we're not going to, I mean, we will end up making fun of Time Cop. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> but like this, this, this episode is not about us uh, making necessarily uh, poking fun at Time Cop. Uh, it's more so giving justification as to why we think it's a great movie and why we think it's worthy of showing to lots and lots of people. And a couple of things that I think are important, like first of all, to your point about making fun of Time Cop, of course there's stuff in Time Cop to make fun of, but you only roast the ones you love is what the Friars Club always said. And I think <laughs> about the movies that I like is like, I love to sit and make fun of movies. I grew up on Mystery Science Theater 3000, but my favorite movies to make fun of are the ones that I actually love the most because there's yeah. something... There's something to work with. The other thing is that one of the reasons that we're doing this is that when you come to Planet X, like, and Drew and I have gone back and forth about this because we have different styles and we want Planet X to be the best experience it can be. And what is not going to make it a good experience, and Drew is way smarter about this sort of thing than I am, is you do not want the two of us to stand up for half an hour before this movie and tell you <laughs> why it's good. And why it's, like, Drew and I are very lovable. We have garbage brains and we have this weird vaudevillian sort of relationship, but you do not want to watch that. However, like there are a lot of people who come to Planet X and people who listen to the podcast who do kind of care why you and I like this movie. So here's a way for us to do it without wasting your time. If you don't want to hear this, just go to the next episode. We'll make up a new funny movie, come to the screening and we won't bore you with this stuff yeah that's right and and i just want to like i want to add one more thing which is uh we we were very fortunate to be interviewed by a local journalist about planet x and we had a, a great opportunity to sit down and talk to somebody about why we do what we do and why we're doing this podcast and we don't spend a lot of time on the podcast talking about that or at least we try not to um but you know i think we both feel like there's enough uh sort of negativity in the world there's enough sort of like shitting on stuff in the world and with planet x we try to create a really safe cool place for people to just watch fun movies and a big part of that is we don't shit on these movies we don't hate these movies we're not like oh highlander can you believe it like i fucking love highlander and i'll die on a hill for that movie and i feel the same way about every movie we've ever shown it at, at planet x so this is really about lifting up these films and and having a great time with them and i don't know appreciating that they're a lot of fucking fun to watch they're they're great and they're fun to share with people and it's to do do we enjoy watching other types of movies sure we do like like we're we're film fans but this is our thing and it's a chance for yeah, us to yeah kind of to do our little thing and uh i don't know about you but i really want to talk about time cop talk about time cop should we should we begin by giving kind of an overview of what it's about do you want to just start at the beginning is there something you want to get off your chest we've never done one of these before so there's no format <laughs> i tell you what why don't i'm i have it on tv right now Fuck yeah, dude. Goddamn, dude. I put it on TV right now. Just I've watched it I've watched it uh seven or eight times in just the last 
like two weeks. That's great because that will keep us on time. <laughs> At least when the credits roll, we gotta cut this podcast. Out. Yeah, we, we're right now. They, they he just did the high kick in front of the 1994. Nissan. Oh, I'm sorry. Did John Clement Dam do a high kick? That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, but what's interesting is that the person who stops <laughs> looks like Jason Alexander and Flea had a baby. Oh, okay. So so this is very good. So when Time Cop starts off. I fucking love that the first 10 minutes of this movie are just like a sob story. It's like the, it's like guardians of the galaxy where like you, you have to like watch the death of this guy's mom before you can watch the rest of the movie. Like, okay. At the start of the movie, John Clevin Dam is just like a beat cop, I guess. They're not really clear about it. Is he a cop? Well, at the start of the movie. Uh-huh. Well, we're, we're skipping, we're skipping a lot. Um, because the first scene happens in 18 seconds. No, 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 we're not going to get to that. No, 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 no. We're in the, okay. we're in the well, day in the life segment of this movie. Jean, Jean-Claude Van Damme's character starts, he doesn't specifically say what he does. He does mention that he is being hired by a new agency mm-hmm. and that it's, it's a very big deal to right. his wife played by Mia Sarah. Um, Mia Sarah is gorgeous and she is a very capable actress, but I do have to say she is quaaludy as fuck in this film. What's the, oh, well, that's not nice. <laughs> it is, though. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of odd. Um, Isn't that just, like, dreamy-eyed? No, she's sleepy-eyed in this oh. film. But she's well, so pretty. <laughs> what I was, well, what I was going to say is, like, I, I really like Miss Sarah. I think she's great. Uh, I do, too. I mean, we all remember her from Ferris Bueller. But, like, what's the, like, you know when an actor is cast and they're clearly not ready for the role. Like they cast, uh, what's that dude that they cast in in John Carter, a, a movie we both are fucking obsessed with because that movie's amazing. Oh yeah, the lead guy in that movie wasn't quite ready to like right. carry carry. I mean, it's great. He's great. I can't remember who it is, dude. Um, I don't know his name. Um, um, I just think of him as John Carter every time no, I see I'll pull him. it up because people are gonna fucking get at me if I don't. His name is Taylor Kitsch. Yes. Taylor Kitsch is his name. I'm going to look at a picture. I need to see his face. I need to see his I want face. to see his big old face. I'm going to see my clipper. Um, okay. <laughs> so it's like, it's like Taylor Kitsch in, in uh, uh, John Carter, a movie we both love, a movie we both celebrate all the time, but he just wasn't ready to like carry that much. Or maybe the film was, it doesn't matter. It wasn't the right place or the right time. Mia Sarah in this film feels like they like, uh, undercast is that the, I don't know what the right word is it's like man you didn't need Mia Sarah for this role she does nothing in the whole film like yeah I mean she's capable of so much better work than just standing around of, looking at jo, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme with doe eyes uh, her her character sort of drives Jean-Claude Van Damme's character right because but not but not not her character her character's death and his refusal to use time travel to prevent her death right it's, it's the woman in the fridge man it's just like oh no i totally agree kill me sarah as fast as we can so so john clevin am looks like a tortured hero you know it's, like, it's just shitty storytelling I mean, it, it, it is and and except except and by the way let me just say this right now fucking spoiler alert spoiler alert, spoiler alert. if you're listening to this and you haven't watched time cop we're going to ruin the fuck out of every part of Time Cop. So, oh, yeah, we're just going to... Stop. Sorry, stop listening right now. Don't worry. We'll talk about production okay. stuff as well. It's, and- it's actually not a woman in the fridge movie, 
because he gets her back at the end. <laughs> like it's he opens the fridge. He opens the fridge <laughs> and he puts her back together and it works. <laughs> he puts her back together. It's and and he gets some kids out of it too. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, holy fuck okay. is going on? No, like, no, we, okay, we have to at least kind of try to do this in order because the ending of this movie is so fucking buck wild. It's well, that's like, it it's, is a paradox within a paradox wrapped in a paradox. Like it it it's it is, and I always tell people that it is one of my favorite time travel movies. And it is one of my favorite time travel movies because um, you can do a time travel movie two ways. You can do one where you try to make some rules mm-hmm. that are somewhat based in science. Sure. Or you can Mario Brothers it, as we referenced in uh, Dinosaurs, where like, Mario Brothers basically goes like, hey, you know that thing where like a a, a, a comet killed the dinosaurs and uh, and science says that? Fuck it. Um, <laughs> so when, when, when time travel is introduced in this film, in the second scene of this film, um, uh, the the guy explaining it says you can you can never go into the future you can only go into the past mm-hmm. which is the opposite of what science says so you know from the get go like just don't think about it don't think about it that's interesting i thought you were going to say that there are there are two kinds of time travel movies there are the kind where you can change the future and they're the kind where it's all locked in right like there's nothing you can really do well there you, you can create paradoxes right but this movie i think a lot of time travel tropes is a different thing i i was so yeah i think i I think i think both of those things are true in time cop though which is really cool you point out two dynamics you can either like try to play with science or not play with science and you can do the thing where you can't really change anything or you can change everything and what time cop does is it falls into column b column b like fuck science and everything can change (laughs) yeah it the only part of science that it cares about is the butterfly effect and even that, it's only kind of, kind of vague. That's what I was going to say. Just a little bitty bit, like just a. It just. very selectively cares about the butterfly effect. Like sometimes, like literally, there's a scene where uh, a dude cuts. Uh, is it Ron Silver? Yes. Yeah. There's a, like a guy cuts Ron Silver, and then it, as as he's being cut, future Ron Silver's like, like gets the scar. Right. But then like, Jean Clavin, like there's all these instances of like. Jean-Claude Van Damme gets, like, punched, kicked in the ribs and, like, thrown three stories off, like, scaffolding. And, like, future Jean-Claude Van Damme isn't, like, suddenly, like, oh, yeah, I forgot my broken rib from the past. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up Ron Silver, too, because I just have to say, if anyone has ever tried to play Al Pacino harder than Ron Silver, I would really <laughs> like to do it. Because that's, I mean, they, they, you know, you, the way that they wrote this, I want to get in where this movie comes from, because I think it's really fascinating. And I was going to, talk about the writers but you know when they wrote this screenplay they said so the bad guy is al pacino and they're like we can't get in they're like we can pay somebody to act like it no, I, schwarzenegger as as max walker and yes. pacino plays uh, senator mccomb we're, we're gonna do this and they were like they landed with jcvd and ron silver and they were like all right good enough let's just make the movie it's just there's there is this scene where ron silver is in the back of a car talking to one of his Crony. Oh God, where he like, yeah. <laughs> he, he pushes his head into the wall. It is yeah. the most Al Pacino thing I have ever seen. It's totally like, a, why are you hitting yourself? Like, it's like it is. He, no, it's great. It's he so- shoves this guy into a window, 
makes a nosebleed and he's like, do you have any more questions? What, what the fuck? Like, why are you questioning me? Like, as he's eating, like, what's he eating? Like olives or something? Yeah, it's, it's something weird. Yeah, it is. It's something small, like out of a bag or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I watched like- a crackhead microwave a baby because it wouldn't <laughs> It's still my favorite Pacino line. What the fuck? But, you know, I, one thing I want to say about this movie is sure. that it, it was made in the very early days of um, CG effects. And uh-huh. so when they, when a character will sort of go into, will, will travel through time and show up in a new scene, it's done with very primitive CG effects, and it looks good. One thing you cannot say about this film is that it looks bad. You watch it today, and it actually still looks good. There's a scene where uh, uh, Van Damme time travels, and when he shows up, there's a a semi-truck rushing at the camera behind Mm -hmm. him, and he drops underneath it, and the truck goes over him. It's gorgeous. This is when he comes back from the 1920s? No, that, no, 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 because he drops no, back no, in time no, headquarters no, no, no. for that one. Yeah, that's... No, that's a, that's actually a great shot, and, like, that... Yeah, it's, like, it's legitimately thrilling to watch that shot to this day. Like, it's awesome stunt work. It's a great shot. Technically, it's a cool achievement. Like, that 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 whole sequence totally works. But you do bring up something, which I think I think it's worth setting out. If you've seen Time Cop, you know this, you know what we're talking about, but it is a movie about time travel, and there's a bureau of cops that are allowed to go back in time and stop time crime. And so other people have apparently gotten hold of this time travel technology. They're able to go back in the past and mess with stuff. Why they're able to monitor that and how they're able to know, and it's never explained. Um, there, but, is, but, there is a scene, though, where I, that I think is very funny where they're like, um, uh, you know, um, oh, someone's in, you know, such and such place in 1913 doing this or, you know. This yeah, body there, re- there's some like vague allusion to like they can sense time fluctuation. But it's just somebody. Re- I like it. I like it because it's somebody reading off a computer like it is the most boring data entry job. Yeah, like, oh, check it out. Blair, he's in uh, 1913. That's interesting. Oh, uh, Drew's at the Battle of Hastings. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. yeah, like, okay. So what I was going to say is, they, it's a, it's a cool premise for a movie. Like, I get it. It's fun. There's a lot of movies that kind of like skirted around this sort of time travel thing, but it's it's good. It's like Back to the Future, but kind of more an action movie. Like, that feels really fun. That feels like a cool space to play in. What they, what they don't do, the most infuriating thing in the movie is the way that they time travel. This is, this is the part that hangs me up. They get in a rocket car on a sled. It's a rocket sled. And they shoot him at a brick wall. They shoot him at a brick wall. Uh, and John Clevin Dan gets that great line where uh, he's like, uh, what, what does he say? He's like, uh, fuck. He's like, uh, they're like, oh, does it ever fail? And he's like, oh, it only happened once. To, or no, he goes, does it ever fail? And he goes, ask, ask so-and-so, ask John and Joey. And they're like, who is that? And he's like, those two red spots on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, so they get in this rocket sled they Man, everyone's from Brooklyn when you're doing voices. You really got to watch that. It's <laughs> <Sorry>, Brooklyn. Just <laughs> the muscles from Brussels, man. He don't talk like a Brooklyn person. Oh, do you want me to do fucking JCVD as Max Walker? Because it's like I, I really would like for you there to. There's never it. enough time to satisfy a woman. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so they get in the rocket sled. They shoot him at a concrete wall. The Stargate or some shit opens up. Everything goes liquid metal. And then when they arrive in the time they're trying to get to, 
it's like a ripple effect. They fall from the sky. No or they just sweat. walk. Or they just walk. Sometimes, yeah, they just walk. Like, it's okay. Yeah. And then when they're ready to leave, I don't know if we ever see anybody leave. Um, well, Sometimes it gets all liquidy. They hit the little thing that goes like, beep, 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 beep. And then it gets oh, liquidy. They, it does. Remember uh, in the... But then when they come back, they're back in the rocket sled. Yeah, yeah. Because like, where did the rocket sled go? Does it go into like some time vortex or what? The first time he goes back is when he when he goes back to 1929 and right. he, he to stop the guy the, who's shorting all the the depression. Yeah, the the, the right, right, right. Yeah. And and that's actually a really cool scene where the guy jumps out of the window and he he, he goes down with him and in midair. That's fun. Dude. Well, actually, there's two, right before that where he beats oh. where he beats the goons up. He calls in like his his. Uh, mugs and there's that great establishment of Jean-Claude Van Damme as a martial artist where he's like high kicking mafia heavies like oh that's so cool like that's great yeah but then they jump out the window he hits and the time thing on his belt and they they do the the warp thing it actually mm-hmm. legitimately just happened um on on my television so I can well, and then you have the Irish cop who's like oh faith and Begora okay, right okay that's one of my favorite little bits and then but then the next scene is just they're back in the future two doors open and they just walk through the doors yeah we like, don't see how they come back <laughs> they come back and then it's like they forgot it's like they forgot to shoot that scene where like they got into the editing room and they're like hell yeah rocket car fuck yeah cool liquid metal effect great hey did we shoot that thing where it explains where the rocket car is and how they get back like (laughs) i just got to that part where they walk in let's just keep it going keep it moving i know this is silly but right after that is one of my favorite things in the movie is that he's gone they're trying to show how this whole system works which is the judge yeah so they go in front of the judge and the there's there's like a time tribunal there's like three cops sitting behind a desk right and and this cop goes you've been charged with using time travel to affect the past under time code one four seven five section c you go like isn't that like section one bullet point one like your time code is just time code one don't mess with time yeah period and then he won't talk, and so they, he, he's sentenced to death, and they throw him back where he was, and he goes, he hits the ground in 1929, and the same Irish cop is like, it could have been like a better day tomorrow or something like that. Like, he had a better, a better day. day tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> a wonderful scene in the film. They, you know, they give that Irish cop way too much screen time. Because it's almost like you get the feeling like, ah, oh, he's going to come back. Or like, they're going to do something with this guy. Like, he's got like 25 seconds of screen time in a 90-minute movie. Like, But again, like, what you would think in a movie like this, so it opens uh, with a, a scene. Actually, sorry, that's not true. This movie's two hours long. <laughs> like, it's not 90 minutes. This one goes on for a minute. Yeah. I'm sorry, you were saying. You, you would think. They, they, don't, they don't spend a lot of time in the distant past, but... The first, the first scene of the film is in 1863. They travel back to 1929. Both of those scenes look really good. Like it's again, a little TV setty, but yeah, it, it works. But it's not like it doesn't pull you out of the movie. Like as, no, not at all, not at all. As weird and as nonsensical as this movie can be, you buy it. Like, and that's why I think it's a really fun movie. Is that like I don't sit there 
I mean, I could, I mean, it's fun to sit there and go like, okay, why, why is time travel work there and not work there? But it's no more than I do it during like Back to the Future 3, which is just as bad when it comes to time travel rules. So I, I actually have a theory. It's going to take me a second to get to it. And I, I want to be really careful about this because I don't want to disparage Jean-Claude Van Damme or anyone involved in the production of Time Cop because to reiterate, me and my brother love this movie. Legitimately think this is a great movie. I, I think Jean-Claude, was great. Jean-Claude Van Damme had a really interesting career. And he, he started off really fresh-faced and was like trying to do a lot of stuff. He had some initial success. He signed into a huge multi-picture deal that didn't really work out well for him. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why people speculate he did that or didn't do that. And I don't want to uh, speculate on his character or any of that. But a part of his story that he's been really transparent about is like he really suffered with substance abuse problems. And Time Cop comes kind of late in his arc. Uh, it comes after Universal Soldier and Double Impact and like a whole bunch of films he did where he was already kind of a thing. And I hard think... Hard Target too. Wasn't Hard Target before? Hard Target was in 93, I, I think. I think it was 92 yeah. or 93, yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme character name, Chance Beffer. But anyway, <laughs> another time. Another time we'll talk about the, another the time that Jean-Claude Van Damme gives himself. But uh, I think one of the reasons that Time Cop kind of works extremely well as an action movie is it's a very toned-down Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, he's a sad, morose character, but also in his life, he was, according to him and according to people around him, was kind of feeling a little bit run down at the time. And like, it translates really well. He seems like he is tired of being a time cop and it, it works so much better than like, if you put 25 year old Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie and he was like sparky and spunky, I think it wouldn't really work. But the fact that he's like, fuck another day. All right. More spin kicks. Fuck this shit. Cause I think it's a really, I think like, I think that's how he was feeling. And I think it's a real performance. I think it plays on screen. I actually think they put the movie together pretty well to help him because, okay, so they throw him together with um, like a young time officer and she ends up turning and that's a whole- Which is a great, uh, yeah, it's a great But she ha- she's young, she has energy, he doesn't have to. The villain is Ron Silver, which we've established is at Pacino levels of energy. He's so chewing enough scenery for the rest of the cast. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you see if your hammy acting can compete with my jump kicks. And honestly, I'm gonna call it a draw. Actually, I may even rule in favor of Ron Silver in this film. No, but I th- now, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know how to talk about it, but like, I feel bad for Jean-Claude Van Damme and what happened to him. I don't know the guy. I'm just speculating based on what I've heard other people say and what, what he has said about his life. But like, he has a little bit longer hair. You can start to see some crow's feet. Like, I buy him. Like, salt and pepper stubble. And, and it looks fucking great. Like, I buy him. And, and it totally explains why today he's doing, like, the JCVD TV show, which is very ironic and kind of making fun of his career and stuff, which is fine. Whatever. It's fun. But, like, he kind of works when he's, when he's toned down a little bit. He needed, I, like, he needed to bring it down. I want to say something, and I want you, you as a... Um, as, as more, uh, more of an action movie fan, somebody who knows a little more about him than I do, although I, you know, I know some, but I defer. And, and, and I want to be really clear here. I only know what I've read and what I've watched and what I've heard. I, I don't know anybody right. associated no, with I, any of this. This is all fan, fans having fun. Fans having fun. Um, I think one of the reasons that his performance in this is, it, it seems a little, uh, elevated a little bit is 
He's so in control of his body. Clearly, he is because he does the splits like twenty fucking times in the well, film. Well, Clement, he's contractually but, obligated to do the splits. <laughs> but like, as I said, I have it on the screen. There's scenes where he's just he's in a hallway, leaning against the wall, and other people are talking. His body is he's so in control of it. He places it and he kind of moves, it, and you go like, God damn! There's like not a movement that that guy makes that isn't sort of controlled like he's able to do some acting with his body is some of that jumping into the air and doing the splits for feet above the ground yeah sure it is but like some of it is legitimate acting it's body language he's frustrated or he's mm-hmm. separated from the conversation or he's well, you know yeah and it's like it works it plays well yeah it's a thing right like actors <laughs> a lot of acting is like body language and signaling and how you position yourself and really good directors key into that and they help their actors understand that. The problem with a lot of action movie stars is especially in the era that Jean-Claude Van Damme came up in, they went looking for attractive dudes who were bodybuilders or martial artists so they could be on camera doing big stupid stunts with their shirts off. And guys like, Arnold and Dolph Lundgren and Sylvester Stallone were bodybuilders, legitimate bodybuilders, but they didn't have a lot of flexibility and control and stuff. Jean-Claude Van Damme was a martial artist, right? So like whether or not he's legit or not legit, and there's a whole fucking gross Hollywood underculture of like, could Steven Seagal fight Jean-Claude Van Damme? And it's like, guys, well, first off, well, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't 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 fucking matter. Steven Seagal can't, yeah. Well, Dolph Lundgren is the, the first guy to be like, I'm a bodybuilder, like, that, that's all he's into. And he got into it because Sylvester Stallone turned him onto it. Sylvester yeah. Stallone's like, I'm a bodybuilder. Arnold's like, I'm a bodybuilder. None of these guys are martial artists. Jean-Claude Van Damme legitimately came up as like a karate uh, kickboxing Muay Thai guy. And like he competed, he, you know, regardless of how well he did or whatever, or his prowess, the dude actually has a lot of like physical confidence and he's able to do some pretty physically impressive stuff. And it gets super hammy in his movies with the splits and the high kicks and stuff like that. But like, What's fun to see in Time Cop is, yeah, he can still do the splits. He can still do high kicks. He can do backflips. He can do all that stuff. But they have him, for whatever reason, playing this kind of, like, tired character. And suddenly you get this angle into, like, this guy could have been a great actor if you just would have made him kept his shirt on. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you could have, like, he's really good. He's actually, he's got great screen presence. He knows how to hold himself. Like, and it's a good character. He got given a good character. It's a it's a good character again. Like again, it's it's a great Planet X film because it takes a swing on about like a dozen ideas and maybe knocks three or four of them out of the park. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them are fun to watch them not quite pull it off. But I think Van Damme deserves credit in this film for how much work he actually does. To, like you buy him, you totally buy his character. People go, oh Jean Claude Van Damme. I bet it's just endless. It's an action movie. He must do just like catchphrases and things like that. And go like, actually, dude puts in a pretty good performance in this. Like, I really like his character. And like to my earlier point, I find him to be a more believable character than Mia Sara, who is a very good actress. You know, um, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, no, he he does a great job. Uh, Peter uh, Himes, the guy that directed Time Cop, was also the director of End of Days and Outland. Also, Capricorn One which is a favorite of mine. That was his first film. He wrote yeah, 
wrote and directed Capricorn One. I believe. But it's it's really interesting. He does seem to have like a habit of taking on action stars and doing kind of unorthodox things with them. Like Outland took Sean Connery and made him like a cop on one of the moons of Saturn or an Saturn. asteroid. Saturn. Is it Saturn? Did I get it right? Saturn. Yeah, I think it's Saturn. Okay. I haven't seen Outland in years, but Outland's Outland, by the way, is a fucking cool movie. That's a perfect a cool, cool movie. Um, but yeah, it's like really cool to see Sean Connery like straight face playing a cop in a sci-fi movie. And it's like never, he never does any of the hammy Sean Connery stuff. It's great. And then End of Days, even when End of Days came out, people talked about it as like this super dark turn for Schwarzenegger, which like you watch it now and it's like, okay. It's, it was in that like collateral damage era of like late Schwarzenegger kind of trying to figure out if he wanted to like start a new. Yeah, it's like, do I want to start a new IP or do I just want to keep making Terminator movies? Oh no, definitely want to just keep making Terminator movies. (laughs) Okay, great. Pretty much, yeah. Um, but that's really interesting. And I wonder how much, I don't know that much about the director, but like, I wonder how much it has to do with that guy. Cause JCVD looks fucking cool in this movie. Like even his like stubble, like he's usually like super clean shaven. And in this one, he has like kind of longer hair and stubble and like, it kind of, it's cool, man. It's cool to see like him play a little rougher character. You, you, and, and I should, I should also mention, I think the, the setting, like a lot of times in these 80, well, I'm sorry. You, you seem like you had some, what, say what you want to say about John Clement Dam's appearance, and then I want to talk a little bit about setting stuff. Is that okay? No, no. I wait, you can cut this out. I I said what I wanted to about okay about setting. I do I do have some some things I want to talk about in terms of production and stuff that you hinted at cool. with the director. But let me get my I, point out real quick, and then we can transition to that. No problem. So I think in addition to him just like looking super cool, uh, another thing that Time Cop really succeeds in, and again, I don't know if this is the director or the writer or the casting, I don't know where this happened in the process, but so many of these action movies from the 80s and 90s focus so much on the action part and they were just pure play action movies. And it was like, how fast can we get this dude's shirt off and him like punching and kicking and blowing up people? One of the reasons like Time Cop and Terminator and Predator and a lot of these movies really work is they get to fall back on sci-fi trappings. So you're really watching a sci-fi movie and then 20 to 30% of it is some dudes with muscles are going to beat each other up. And it's refreshing. It's like a refreshing break from the concept of the movie, right? Well, I mean, I think there's- And that's, very- and that's really cool. Like I'm, when movies can play with that stuff and give you a break, it's actually a lot more interesting than like Commando, which is like watching a fucking Saturday morning cartoon. I, I think that there are very real reasons for that and why Time Cop kind of works. I mean, I think something that just needs to be said because it needs to be said is that Sam Raimi is also a producer on this film mm. um, and that falls under the radar. And Sam Raimi is going to encourage always for there to be some sort of human element. He's too, he's too goofy, you know, mm-hmm. at heart to, to not. I, I think... Well, so, sorry, Sam Raimi and Robert Tappert. So that's the... Xena warrior princess Hercules legend. I mean, like that's the team that made that happen. Right. And again, incredibly enjoyable shows where, you know, like the action you think would be the whole show. And you go like, no, actually we just do two or three action set pieces in between some character building, which is kind of interesting. I did. Hold on. A few weeks ago, you and I got to meet with, uh, we got to meet Joe Bob Riggs. Uh, because he did a screening in Austin of uh, Dead Heat. And one of the things he said about that movie, one of the reasons he felt like it didn't work, and I thought this was a really cool insight, is he said they tried to do a 50-50 movie. They tried to do 50-50 horror action. 
and it doesn't totally. work whenever you do 50 50 he his joe bob's contention was you always have to do a little bit more of one or the other and so like for example that's why evil dead works because evil dead is principally evil dead 2 is principally a horror movie with 40 percent comedy okay that's great if you try to do a 50 50 it doesn't work time cop is really cool because it's like 60 70 percent a sci-fi movie with like 30 40 percent action if it were 50 50 it doesn't work anymore I think there's a very real reason why that works. And I, I hope this isn't oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hope this isn't too boring, but it, it does have to do with where time cop comes from. And if you've ever heard somebody talk about time cop, you probably know elements of this. I've mm. always thought this was really interested. So I, I took some time to try to read and, and really understand. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I know anything about where it actually came from. That's well, cool. That's really interesting because some people go like, Oh, that's a comic book movie. And then some people go like, Oh no, they made a, they made a comic as sort of like a tie-in to the movie. The mm-hmm. story is way cooler than that. Okay, because I know um, that Dark Horse did a comic after the movie came out, right? Simultaneously. So oh, very cool. Okay, well, yeah, lay this on me. I know nothing about this. This is great. This, this is going to fry your brain. <laughs> okay, uh, cool. I like this. <laughs> Time Cop is based on a three-part story, like a, a comics anthology. And it's okay. called Time Pop, A Man Out of Time. It was published in the Dark Horse Comics anthology series. You know, it's just called Dark Horse Comics. And it was like a heavy metal. You know, you got four or five different <laughs> Five or six stories. different little weird mini stories. Exactly. Cool. And yeah, 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 yeah. Um, in a minute, I'll tell you what the original plot was. And you'll Ooh. go, that's the next movie. Um, but, okay. the re- but before we get too far off track, the reason I think that the movie works, as we've been talking about, the balance of science fiction to action. Mm-hmm. The story, the, the comic book was done by Mike Richardson and Mark Verheiden. And the reason that's important, Mike Richardson is actually the founder of no, wait, Dark. Wait, 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 wait. Mark Verheiden was, no, he's credited in Time Cop, right? He wrote the screenplay or the story, right? That name sounds super familiar. Yes, he did. The, so the original comic book was written by Mike Richardson, who founded Dark Horse Comics. Whoa. And, and Mark Verheiden, uh, Mark Verheiden also wrote Alien comics. He wrote Predator comics. Oh, uh, okay, that's okay. Yeah, and, and he he wrote the story for the Time Cop film. He wrote the story for Jim Carrey's The Mask movie, which is also based on the Dark, Dark Horse, Horse comic. comic. Holy that shit! Mike, that Mike Richardson, Mike Richardson, founder of Dark Horse Comics, did The Mask. Then Mark Verheiden and Mike Richardson would end up being in. I think it's Dark Horse entertainment and what they did is they realized very very soon because they were doing these movie adaptations that when they created properties they were going to get licensed and if they were going to have any control over what happened to those properties what they would do is they would simultaneously do comics but they would start a production thing so their producers on this they wrote this the story for this film and and it's very fast and they stay in the vein mark verheiden has gone on um to to produce a million things including coming full circle to sam raimi the third season of ash versus evil dead fuck yes what yeah that's that's all wrapped up in this movie now oh man you're totally right that did actually melt my brain because like if you've read read, well all i was gonna say is if you've read those alien and predator comics that are so good from dark horse they are a perfect mix of mostly science fiction with action beats spread throughout. That's all I was going to say. There's a very real reason, I think, that the movie works that way. No, you were you were absolutely right. This is melting my brain because when I was a kid, I collected Alien and Predator comics. 
because I, I loved the movies and I loved the way Dark Horse took them and built a whole universe out of them. And in particular, uh, I have a really specific memory of uh, on free comic book day, right? Which is every year uh, you can go to comic book shops. It's like a little festival, whatever. I went to a, uh, a free comic book day at uh, Alien Worlds. Uh, at their original location here in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, they had a bin out front of like 25 cent comics. And I just started pulling stuff out and bought it. I bought a series of Predator comics. I was about 10 or 11 at this time. And it was Predator in Vietnam. And it was like, it was like a soldier's journal of being in Vietnam and the predator hunting both the v, the Viet Cong and the American soldiers. And this dude being like, Charlie's in the trees, Charlie's in the trees. And this guy's like something way worse is in those trees. <laughs> like, there were scenes of like, like Viet Cong ripping off people's clothing or American soldiers, like ripping off women's clothing and raping them. And like predator watching it and like cutting off these dudes, lower halves. And like, no shit. Our mom found me crying over these comics. Like, and we, it was a very weird situation, but like those comics left such a distinct impression on me. I have so much respect for, the aliens and predators continuation and to find out that these guys one not only wrote time cop but two kept that shit going and then became like producers on sam raimi shows like we have got to track like we need to make a shrine to mike richardson and mark verhayden before they die this cannot be a gary gygax john arneson jack kirby situation like these guys built our childhood <laughs> yeah and it's it's pretty nuts that like Growing up when we did, um, and that is wild. Time Cop is of the era too. Um, Dark Dark Horse Comics was a big deal. Um, Like it It was a huge deal. I read more Dark Horse Comics than Marvel and DC growing up. I I think it partially was because they put out Flaming Carrot, and I love Flaming Carrot. Sure, yeah. But they put out Predator. They put out Alien. But remember, they were they were the guys that put out Hellboy too. That's right. And like they understand all kinds of storytelling beyond just superhero stories. Right. And I mean, to be fair, they did some of that too, but it was always weird. It was always, and, and science fiction, right? Science right. fiction was huge. But you and I as kids, even as kids, as little kids, like a lot of other comic book fans, we were fans of comic books, but not necessarily hero books. Like we, we liked hero books and we had our hero books that we enjoyed and collected, but we collected a lot of like weird science fiction stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons why movies like Time Cop make sense to us because we read a lot of like batshit, cra- like Valiant comics, Exo Manowar and, and uh, Solar Man of the Atom, Dinosaur Hunter, which is based yeah. on Xenozoic Tales. Like, yeah, I mean, like there was tons of comics coming out that weren't hero books that you and I really liked. And I feel like there are people that liked that kind of stuff. And when they watch Time Cop, again, I mean, this kind of gets back to the intro, but like it's sort of shitty when people make fun of that stuff. Cause it's like, Hey, I actually really like this. I like 60% sci-fi, 40% action with Jean-Claude Van Damme in it. Like this makes a ton of sense to my, my garbage. Well, brain. <laughs> I also like that, you know, so you, you think about the mask, which, and I don't know if this will make it into the podcast or not, but if you think about the mask, uh-huh. um, uh, which Mike just gory and cr- the comic book is just gory and fucked up and weird and strange and then but they intentionally set up a production part of mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and uh, you know a, 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 a basically a movie part 
of Dark Horse Comics. They come to Dark Horse and they say, we want to make the mask. I go, okay. They go like, we're going to put Jim Carrey in um, and it's going to be more funny and less gory. They go like, that's fine, but we have this company set up. So guess who you're bringing on as producers? So even when you watch like The Mask, and obviously Jim Carrey is going over the top and doing Jim Carrey. He's doing Jim Carrey, yeah. It's still like the way that movie looks and feels and plays is much different than the, the, what what is The Mask? It's a supernatural comedy, but it's, again, it's not a 50-50. It's mm-hmm. kind of, a, the, the balance is off, right? It works more like a comic book. And it's, yeah. and there was there was a thing in comics where like, they there was a period in comics that we got to grow up in which was really cool where comics felt like they were just a little bit of head of what pop culture was doing right like they were like the max right the 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 initial image books were really cool but even like men in black started as a comic and it was like this really weird psychedelic science fiction comic book that eventually percolated up to Hollywood and got distilled into a Will Smith comedy movie. That's like, yeah, it's really good and it's fun, but like some of the weirdness was lost along the way. And that deep weirdness that some of these comic book stories have is still present in time cop. Like, and I, and the, the reason I brought up that I wanted to do the whole backstory is I think the reason that it stays is that um, Mike Richardson deserves a lot of credit for not just co-founding, for, for found, founding this amazing comic book company. That's going wild. With yes, people. absolutely. But, but people are people are going to buy comic books. We make good comic books. I at least want to say when they make the movie. So you watch The Mask, goofy summer comedy. But also just, a little dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little, and dark, a little but, sexy, the red, the red dress scene, right? Like, yeah. And But <laughs> then Mike Richardson's on set going like, I own this comic book company. I at least get a voice at the table. And that's you get great. a movie like Time Cop, and you go like, that's how you make a comic book movie, right? And to that point, would you like to know what the original plot to Time Cop was? I, I would. Hold on. Bef- before you do that, I do want to say like, well, no, actually, no, fuck that. I do want to know what the original, I, I need to know what the original plot to Time Cop was. Blair, let me have it. The original plot to Time Cop revolves around the the same protagonist in in name only doesn't look anything like him you mean but max walker max walker um <laughs> he, a great jcvd he, he goes to the 1930s to th- uh, to thwart a diamond uh, mine robbery in south africa then returns to the future only to discover that the thief's robot bodyguard is still in 1930s south africa and he must go back to fight him it is the most planet x thing i have ever heard in my life that's great a robot bodyguard trapped in 1930s south africa one man max walker has to go back in time and kill him and it's a three-part. It's a three-part story, and it came out concurrently. That's so fucking like, cool. Well, is it a movie tie-in? Is the movie based on the comic? Is the comic based on the movie? And you go like, no, nah, it's just a couple of dudes doing all of it at the same time. That's so cool, though. Like, I, I would love to know more about like how they got the resources together to to do Dark Horse, like as a press and distribute comics, because like it does seem like they were just sitting back, being like, "Man, wouldn't time traveling cops be a cool story?" Yeah, let's make it really dark. Let's make it about like pre-apartheid South Africa and diamond theft, and like, fuck, what the fuck? Yes, like, you know, I, 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 
there's not a really good short answer for that other than that there were people who weren't doing superhero books that were interested in like Edgar Rice Burroughs and were interested yeah well okay uh, that's that's okay. a really okay Edgar Rice Burroughs is a great transition because like it makes me think of pulpy stuff like pulpy action where like it was totally cool to have like science next to action next to intrigue next to a mystery story next to romance right and some of these stories and like there was a weird thing happening in like the mid the early to mid 90s where like it was cool to make pulpy comic book movies and like off the bat just let's get the sam raimi one out of the way like dark man a film we've talked a lot about a film you and i really 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 love it feels like a comic what's that I was going to say the Phantom, the Spirit. Uh, well, okay, so so Darkman feels like a comic from the 1920s. Then you have the Rocketeer and the Phantom and the Mask of Zorro, which are all legitimately comics from the 1920s and 30s. And like, I'm sorry if you haven't seen Billy Zane's Phantom. Like that movie holds up so god. I would put that toe to toe with any Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. That movie's so good. And I'm sorry, Billy Zane makes me feel like I have a little boy's dick every time he takes off his shirt. Because Jesus Christ, that. <laughs> He has watermelons for all of his muscles. That is incredible. Like, why are we not talking about the sexiness of Billy Zane in 2018? I mean, if people think this is a pet theory, it's not. And I'm not talking about Batman. I'm talking about the movie that Batman teed up, which is Dick Tracy, which is nothing but... Oh, another just solid example. Hollywood Hollywood goes like, okay, Batman worked. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I can talk about Batman. But the first Batman movie is very evocative of the comics. Very, it's not an very, action movie. It's not an action movie. Very pulpy, very noirish, very wonderful film. And but then they go like, <laughs> my God, Warren Beatty. Um, <laughs> Warren Beatty goes, I can make Dick Tracy. And it they they tried with with the colors, with the way it's shot, with the costumes and the makeup mm. to actually make it look like. Um, a pulp comic it doesn't work because you put madonna in it and then it doesn't feel like a pulp comic well okay no but but it's symptomatic of the whole thing that we're talking about is that hollywood actually thought that they could just blow the lid off of the whole thing and and do dick tracy you know a comic strip from the 40s and 50s right and, and the parts the parts of dick tracy that work are the production design the cinematography, the fucking Danny Elfman soundtrack, like all of those parts work. The part that doesn't work is you let Warren Beatty direct and produce it. Like you need to put a director in the director's chair and you need to put a producer who has his fucking hands on the purse string. Like They should have put Al Pacino in Time Cop and Ron Silver in Dick Tracy. Holy shit. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh my God. Dude, that's a brilliant insight. If Dick Tracy was... 30 percent hammier that movie would have fucking worked but everybody tried to play it straight except for pacino god bless pacino like he is, <laughs> he's, he's trying having, he's trying he is having the coked out time of his life in that movie. <laughs> oh my god but no seriously but, if, if if warren Beatty had taken dick tracy 10 percent, 20 percent less serious if he'd had a little bit more fun with it I think, well, I think what's more accurate to say is that he didn't know when to be serious and when not to be serious, right? Because that's he, has, he has all these these scenes with him and Madonna that are these, like, in, they're, the lines are kind of campy, but they're these very intense sexual scenes. And then mm-hmm. there's all these scenes with him and the kid from Hook that are just <laughs> dumb. And, like, it just, well, it's kind of like Sin City kind of got that right. 
right? Like love it or hate it, right? The Sin City movie, it sort of knew when to do the comics. It knew when to be serious. It knew when to be grim. And it doesn't work on every level. It's not like an awesome, and I, it's not one of my favorite movies or anything, but like. But it works. At least, yeah, it works. It works in a way works. that Dick Tracy doesn't work. Right. And because I don't think that movie really works. <laughs> I want it to work. It doesn't really work. Yeah, it's like Cool well, World. I want Cool World to work. Well, it just we doesn't were, work. <laughs> so here's, here's another thing I want to bring up about Time Cop. Um, that Please I think, bring it back to Time Cop. <laughs> well, we were talking about like why Time Cop works and why these other films that we're comparing it to works. And we we're going like, oh, well, atmosphere and production design and mm-hmm. these things. I, I would just like to say just a few short things about the guy who did the soundtrack. Um, his name is Mark Isham. He's not an unknown guy, but he's not the biggest name in Hollywood. He does a lot of television shows now. I actually found him in the most roundabout way, which was that the first two films he ever scored were Never Cry Wolf, which is a great film if you've never seen it, mm-hmm. and um, The Times of Harvey Milk, a documentary about Harvey Milk. And that was, uh, I think, 1981. I think it was the year I was born. Anyway, I was in a half price books uh in 99 or 2000 and i found those two soundtracks on an lp that windham hill records put out and everything on windham hill still costs about a dollar on a record um <laughs> and i know because i have a lot of it and it's they're synthesizery and they're new agey but you can tell that the guy has talent i just want to say that mark isham also did the soundtracks for the hitcher for blade for Point Break, and he did the original. He did the original rejected score for Waterworld. So this is not a guy that just. <laughs> hold on, hold on a minute. There's a there's a lost score to Underworld, or, and it's done by the guy. Lost score to Waterworld. Done by the guy who wrote the music for The Hitcher and Point Break. Yes, no fucking way. Blade and Blade. And the television show Once Upon a Time, and he he has an amazing. That guy got to hang out with some cool people, man. He has worked on a lot of amazing stuff, and I think his score in Time Cop is really good. It's not cheesy, it's not hammy, it's a great action movie plot, a, a soundtrack. And another thing is, that I love the very start of this movie. There's no pre-credits, just black screen, blue titles you know it's an action movie. And it has that kind of Terminator-esque sort of just... And you know from the very first beat, you go like, I'm watching an action movie. I'm about to watch an action movie. And that makes it so much easier to sort of just like hand wave stuff that you would normally sit and critique over and over and again with a movie like this is it you go like, no, I'm already in action movie headspace. Show me some action. Well, and it, gives you, it gives you so many good, there's a lot of sci-fi in this movie and there's a lot of like character development in this movie, but it, it is really good pacing wise because it every 15 minutes or so, you're getting like a solid action sequence. So like at the top of the film, we have like the gold robbery. Um, we get we get Jean-Claude Van Damme back in the 20s. He gets to do some some action. That's great. Then we have the whole thing at the, uh, the factory, which by the way, has the only one-liner in the whole movie, which is so fucking good. I want you to do it because you can do the voice better than me. He, okay, well, hold on, pause. I have to set it up. He's fighting a dude. 
Oh, back and forth. Oh, he's got a knife. I got a kick. I got a punch. Inexplicably, he kicks a valve and there's liquid nitrogen shooting out of it. It freezes the guy's arm and part of his shoulder and chest. And the guy goes, oh, ah, and looks at John Clevin and he goes, have an ice day. And then kicks <laughs> off his arm and chest. Have an ice day. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Well, you know, it's. A I want to be clear with you. I watched Time Cop like four or five nights ago with uh, with a friend we had staying in town. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, "Did he say have a nice day?" And I had everyone did like five or six times. I'm ninety nine percent sure he says have an ice day. That's. But I'm not. I'm still not sure. It's have an ice is, day. Again, we were talking about like <laughs> his performance and like how he presents himself in the film. His first line in the film is. There's never enough time. And, and if you never go, left, like, to please that, should, that should be like a face palm line. And it is a dumb line, but it's like, he's so sort of like sad and... <laughs> but it's affable. Like, you like the guy. It is. No, yeah, no, he's also engaged in some light role play with his wife, which is kind of... And, oh, oh, yeah, that's real. By weird. the way, we're, I'm just going to say it. There's a sex scene in this movie. And it has my favorite thing ever, which, besides naked people, um, it has sexy sex. It is a sexy sex sex scene. Well, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme had a whole thing. You can go back. There, he did a bunch of interviews on, like, on, on uh, Arsenio Hall where uh, he was like, he talked a lot about how like he thought women were naked on camera too much without men being naked on camera. And he thought men should like, work out and get comfortable with their bodies so they could be on camera and look i don't know if that's bullshit or him marketing or whatever but like if there was an actor who liked to take his pants off on camera and show you his like awesome butt more than jcvd i don't know who that actor is because like any excuse for that kind of like take off his clothes and be on camera he fucking loves it i and credit I, to him the dude looks amazing like no doubt like, i think actually you misquoted him and probably what he was saying was that I think too often in films there are naked women who are not uh, photographed next to naked Jean-Claude Van Damme's. Oh, maybe that's what he said. Well, okay, we've gone a long time. We haven't mentioned that time... Or do you have something to say? I'm sorry. I did want to say uh, we have gone a long time. There's just no, 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 no. There's a there's a couple of other things that I think that I can mention. No, very- I, I have more to say. I just I wanted to bring up something else, but just... Launch into your own section. Well, I just, I thought something that I would, I'd like to say about uh, Time Cop that makes it lovable for me is that I think that the character actors are pretty good. No, uh, yeah, it's a great cast. The guy who plays the chief, I do not know his name off the top of my head. He is fantastic. Mm. Um, The, the guy who's cast to be the sort of nerdy hacker guy and then he changes during mm-hmm. one time jumping to the, he's very good. None of these guys like stealing the show. The the evil hooligans are evil hooligans and that's what you want in a movie like this. But I mean, the whole movie, the whole movie is Ron Silver and Jean-Claude Van Damme. You're not getting caught up in anyone else's shit, right? Like that's it. Um, no, dude, you're not wrong though. The the character actors in this are amazing. Uh, uh, 
I, I had to look these names up, so uh, full disclosure. But uh, uh, Jason uh, Shombing is in this, uh, who was in uh, the A-Team remake and Watchmen and Tin Man. He's great. Um, and then when I was watching it with my friend, uh, we could not figure out who this actor was. And so to my shame, I had to Google him. Uh, Scott Lawrence is in this. He was in Avatar, Star Trek Into Darkness. He was in JAG. Um, dude is like legitimately a great television character actor and it's a lot of people that you've seen in tv shows or you've seen in like minor roles in films but like it is definitely not poorly cast like even the bit players in this are doing like a great job like it's very well directed i'm i'm kind of shocked actually like we have gone way too long without talking about the fact that this actually did spin off into a tv show and a super nintendo video game Okay, good. I will. Can you talk about the Super Nintendo video game? Because I I can do the heavy lifting for the TV show. Uh, It exists and it's simultaneously launched uh, with the movie and the comic book story because Dark Horse was on top of their shit. That's all you need. Dark Horse, you guys were doing transmedia, multi platform, fucking social guru (laughs) marketing before anyone. God damn, Dark Horse. All I want to say about that is that they didn't set it up so they would have total control. They set it up so they would have a place at the table. And I, I like, I like that. They were smart enough to go like, filmmakers are going to make films and we make comic books. All we want is to make sure we have a voice or vote. Well, it's, it's really clever, right? Cause they were like, if we tell good enough stories in our comics, they'll get picked up as movies and TV shows. We just have to set it up. So we have a seat at the table. This is the old, by the way, uh, Hollywood Drew's corner. This is the old trick where if you're in the industry long enough, you start to see actors credited as producers. And the reason they do that is, well, to fast forward, when they award the Best Picture Academy Award, it goes to the producer, okay? So that's a vanity thing, but the Producers Guild, and if you're in a producer role, you make a lot more money and you get a lot more of the royalties off the film. So you'll often see actors who are starting to get popular start to produce movies that they're in or or whatever, and it's them demanding producer roles so they get a larger share of the royalties uh, or a larger share of the back end. So, uh, yeah. Um, but it's really cool that Dark Horse thought about that from like, we want to make good comic books. I mean, if you think- And they were already thinking like, no, 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 we want to be movie producers. Like, that's fucking great. Like, and they I, did it. That's the craziest I mean, thing. They actually pulled I, it off. I think it's as simple as they saw Batman happen and they saw all these other titles being bought up and they go like, well, if Wait people are buying our shit, like we want those checks, but it'd be nice if we sort of were able to go like, well, we did kind of come up with this thing. Could, could That's super smart, man. I would love to, man, I got to learn more about these guys. Why hasn't there been a documentary made about it, man? Like, I don't know why there isn't a Dark Horse documentary because it it is absolutely everything that Image Comics claimed to, I love Image Comics, but, but Dark Horse is everything that Image Comics claimed to be. No, I'm saying I like Image Comics and that it was, creators going like creator control is important yeah like, sure sure we want to tell the stories we want to we well, don't and, and to be really opinionated about the stories right like yeah to be able to t- say exactly what i want to say and do the characters exactly uh, if yeah. i want to kill a character i get to kill a character if i want to clone a character i get to but it's up to me like if i fail right. it's, it's all on me 
Okay, and, well, to get back to my earlier point, we have spent way too long talking about Time Cop the movie and not talked about the fact that this spun off into a TV show that was produced by the Sci-Fi Channel, and it is fucking bananas. It ran for nine episodes, I think. Nine episodes, yes. I watched them all this last week. Oh, Me my too. God. Oh, my God. Like, I turned Blair onto this. Woo! Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I didn't think you knew about this. I found it, and I texted you. That I've watched them since that text. Holy shit. Okay, because I, I watched the first one, and I was like, oh, my God, Blair's got to know about this. Like, oh, yeah. They are buck wild. <laughs> like, Crazy shit. But, okay, well, okay, hold on, hold on. I want to say, let's get this out of the way. I can totally understand why Sci-Fi Channel, in its infancy, thought Time Cop would make a good serialized television show. But it is so clear that they had no fucking clue what they were doing or what they had a hold on. It is Holy crazy. Christ, it is the craziest thing. <laughs> and th- we we haven't mentioned this either. There's a sequel to this film. There's a Time Cop 2? I didn't know that. It's- Time Cop 2, The Berlin Decision, and oh yeah, it's about killing Hitler. And it stars oh, Jason Scott Lee. Well, I guess, okay, if you were wondering if the Time Cop TV show got into Hitler or not, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm telling you, they made a whole... Four or five. Right in the made, middle there, there's a great Hitler episode. They made a whole Time Cop ep- uh, movie, the sequel, about killing Hitler. Wow, Time Cop, the Berlin decision. Look at this. Yeah. Oh, shit, Jason Scott Lee's in it? I just said that. Yeah, he's in it. Oh, bud, you're better than that. <laughs> no. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I might like it. You never know. We, we, as you so wisely once said before, we are the safety net that movies fall into. Yeah, if, but if I mean, okay. But- if anyone's going to enjoy Time Cop 2, The Berlin Decision, a real live Hard Eagles 2, it might be us. I'm just saying. Fuck. The fact a- that Jason Scott Lee's in it sells me. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the shit out of that. Jason but the Time Scott Cop TV Lee. show, the Time Cop TV show was produced by the Sci-Fi Channel, ran for nine episodes. Um, they're all universally really not very good. The highlights are that they cast Don Stark as the head of the time agency, and he's great. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Don Stark, Google Don Stark, you will know exactly who this motherfucker is. Like <laughs> He's Donna's dad from that 70s show. Yeah, if you don't know him from that 70s show, you know him from something else. And then, of course, Kurt Fuller's in it, which is fucking great. Uh, Kurt from uh, Ghostbusters 2. He was in The Running Man. He was uh, in Wayne's World. He's uh, he's great, and he plays, like, the time librarian. Like, his job is to, like, tell them what they need to know about the time period they're about to jump into, which is kind of weird casting, but it super works. Um, also totally pointless in the show because the first scene of the first episode is them using a device to upload all the information you need directly oh, into your yeah. brain. yeah, there's like a Matrix like, thing where she like, like hypnotizes him and he's like, oh, now I know who won the election in 1929. Like, yeah. And then they go like, but just so you know, go talk to this dweeb that we cast to do exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah, none of us we, need we, that. We, we can just upload it all. We, we have a device to hand wave it. Oh my it. God, and I didn't it's, think it's, about that. It's the first scene in the show. We have a device to hand wave this guy's role. But by the way, he's in every fucking episode. <laughs> Kurt Fuller is unnecessary. That didn't occur to me at all. They literally are like, okay, so in the show, they upload all the information <laughs> to his brain. And then they're like, all right, let's go talk to Colt Fuller about what happened in the past. Like, no, we don't need him. He's unnecessary. <laughs> That's just terrible. 
You just push a button. What the fuck is he doing in that show? It's just ridiculous. <sighs> it's really good. And if you hang around for the ninth episode, Bruce Campbell is like a, I mean, sorry to borrow a phrase, like a dark horse villain oh. character. Like it's, it's really cool. Bruce Campbell shows up in the last episode, which is awesome. Tasty pun. Yeah. Tasty, tasty. It's really good. It Well, it's not. It's awful, but like, you should watch it's it anyway. Fun. It's fun as hell, though. I had a good time watching them. They were awful, but they were fun. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. I, 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 I like Don Stark. I, a, I think that guy's super cool. He needs to get more work. I have a suspicion that that something from that television show will end up in the pre-show reel for <laughs> oh it undoubtedly will which is which is actually like that's that's a great transition we are showing time cop on november 30th at kunstler brewery in southtown in san antonio texas if you're around please come out it's a totally free showing uh it's it's uh, another in a long series of the planet x pop-up cinema series uh, so if you're in San Antonio, if you're in around South Central Texas, like, please come by. We'd love to show you Time Cop, but we do do a ridiculous pre-show and I will make it a promise that I will, I will include something from the Time Cop TV show. I will definitely put Time Cop Hitler in there and I will definitely put Time Cop Bruce Campbell in there because they're just yeah. too delicious to pass by. So and since we are showing it at Planet X and we only show movies that we love, I think it's a good thing to wrap up with as to... Why is Time Cop such a good Planet X movie? Why we obviously love it. Why is it such a good why is it such a good fit for what we do and why when you come see it you go like this is just like this fits in with all these other crazy movies I have watched with these guys. And I I know we both have reasons. Just does anything immediately jump to your mind that you'd like to say about it? Yeah, no, it 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 does. I th- I think the reason that Time Cop is a great Planet X movie is uh, when we talk about a great Planet X movie, we talk about movies that are underappreciated or they haven't found their audience. They're legitimately really, really fun. They're good, cool movies. But I don't know, maybe they just didn't find, maybe they just didn't stack up or they never became part of the public zeitgeist or something like that. When I think about Time Cop, Time Cop is kind of my dream movie. I love sci-fi and I love action. And this is a movie that does mostly sci-fi, 60, 70% sci-fi with enough action and really good action too, because JCVD can legitimately do good action that like it works on both levels. So I get a fun, awesome time travel movie. It's scratching my back to the future itch. It's giving me enough like pseudoscience that it feels really good but I'm getting like muscles and punching and guns and like stakes in a way that feels like an action movie. And it is like, it's like watching Die Hard for me. It's a really fun. It's really exciting. I like watching this character's journey. It might not all add up, but I would love to see more movies like Time Cop being made. Not ironically, super sincerely. And, and to me, that's why it's a great Planet X movie. I, I put the question to you, Blair, why do you think Time Cop is a great Planet X movie? I mean, I definitely double down on everything that you said. In terms of me as a, just personally, it scratches all my itches, which mm. is, I love science fiction. I, I like people who try to make science fiction, especially time travel is like the hardest thing to do. It's for they, sure. They know they're not going to get it all right. They don't care. They do. It does things with time travel, though, that I don't see in other movies. Like it's introduced to, to somebody in the government and that like there's a government bureau and you go like, these are really interesting ideas. And also those are the things that feel 
comic booky. Why I feel like it's a really great Planet X movie is that we've talked before about how we watch Planet X films and how I think that when you watch a movie of Planet X, it's a positive viewing experience as opposed to a negative experience. And by, by which I mean, normally when you go to a movie, especially if you go to see a movie that you know is, is a little bit cheesy or something, what you're doing is you're looking for the cheesy stuff, right? Mm, you're yeah, looking yeah. for the cheesy stuff. You know when you watch a Jean-Claude Van Damme time travel movie where he's policing the past, that there's going to be goofy stuff. And the goofy stuff is so fucking fun. I am not saying that it isn't. Otherwise, I wouldn't love this movie. Time Cop is a really great exercise in positive movie watching because if you start looking for good stuff in this film, it doesn't quit giving you stuff. You go like, damn, Jean-Claude Van Damme can kind of act. This set product, like the production design is really good. This score is really good. I kind of care about this guy. These action scenes are really good. Yeah, it's split up by a bunch of goofy shit, but it's it's lovable. By the time you're done watching that movie, you, you go like, I found so much to love in this movie. Like, I don't, I didn't watch Time Cop until much later in life. I didn't see it until I was like 25, 26. And I instantly wanted to watch it again after I saw it <laughs> the first time. So, I mean, I, I, that's a little bit rambly, but I hope that that sort of explains why I think it's a great Planet X film. I think, no, I think you touched on something really cool, which is like in, in a lot of these, in a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, right? If you go watch hard target and double impact and cyborg or whatever it's like it does kind of seem like he's contractually obligated to do the splits to do a high kick to like kick and not hit somebody's face but just hold his boot up right and this seems to be a movie that took those tropes took those things and yeah called attention to them and maybe that's the genius of it is like they didn't try to gloss over it they had a lot of fun with the fact that Jean-Claude Van Damme's going to jump up to avoid a bomb and do the splits on a counter, and it doesn't make any sense, but we're going to shoot it really beautifully, and we're going to make it like an event in the film. And that's great. It gives it gravitas. Like, it, it feels really fun in a way that some of Jean-Claude Van Damme's other films feel hacky and feel like, I don't know, like they're trying to be something they're not. Like, it's almost like this movie acknowledged how ridiculous that is it did it in a really sincere way. And then it went on with telling a really interesting story. Like okay. those moments stand out to me. And it's one of the reasons why this stands out as a great JCVD film. I agree. I would love, we have talked in the past. I think you did screen in San Antonio Demolition Man. Did you? I did not. No, okay. it was, so, you know, it's, it's a it's, film I really want to show to people because I love Demolition Man. I think if you have never seen Demolition Man, it's a, it's a great film. It's a Planet X film this is a good companion piece to that you can contrast them a lot oh yeah wow okay i hadn't thought of that but that's really good but if you demolition man specifically because it involves time travel mm -hmm. but um but if you think about the era of like the original judge dread movie with sylvester stallone and demolition man and those kind of films they were doing the same thing they were uh, judge dread obviously based on a comic property but sort of they played camp up right they played camp this movie sort of takes as you said all of these ridiculous jcvd tropes mm -hmm. and puts them in a movie with a ridiculous sci-fi plot with a bunch of uh, with like ron silver out of his mind um but <laughs> but plays it 
straight. It's directed straight. It's very beautiful. I told you, like, I have it on, I have it on the TV right now. I just put it on with no sound just while we were talking. Uh, there's a scene at the end where he's in a house. He's protecting his wife. It's beautifully shot. It's all shadows and it's, you know, uh, flashlights coming around corners and it's not cheesy. It's just really wonderful and fun. Like it's well, that's, a great- that's why I, th- I, I was going to say, I think Demolition Man is a great comparison because I like Demolition Man a lot. I think it's a, I I'm a very big fan, but it, it is a movie that is kind of tongue in cheek about Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. It's kind of making fun of them a little bit. It's kind of making fun of action movies. They do the whole like Taco Bell fast food, wars and all that stuff and i love that movie don't get me wrong like that movie's great but to your point especially towards the end of time cop like they're trying to make a serious movie and it kind of fucking works like I mean, the thing is is there's so much they talent. took actually I, I will say this let me i'm sorry just it seems it's exciting to me because it seems like maybe for the first time in his career a director took jean claude Damme seriously like gave him lines, gave him a role, gave him a story. He has an emotional arc. It's not just like be pretty and do high kicks. And yeah, sure, it's a time travel movie, but he gave him something to work inside of. And I think it, I think it really, really plays. And and then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, you are going to do the splits five times. You are going oh, to do sure. high kicks. Oh no, God! Like, oh, don't get it twisted. We're gonna do the splits. It's one of these. It's one of these. <laughs> weird Planet X movies where you get to have your cake and eat it too. Yes. Oh my God. That's a great way to say it. You get everything that you love about the cheesiness of Jean-Claude Van Damme films put in a movie that you actually get emotionally invested in. (laughs) It's not like, I mean, I'm not talking about like, it's not some historical epic or something, but you legitimately care. I mean, he's like, you know, the, the stuff with his wife and stuff, like, does it all work? No, but to our earlier ramblings about different things that we like in front of and behind the camera in this movie, there's a lot of talent involved in this film. Yeah. It's just not talent when you see, it's not name recognition talent, but if you, again, like with the best Planet X movies that we show, this is a movie that was made by a very talented production team, a very talented cast. Yep. Other than Jean-Claude Van Damme and Mia Sarah, you don't really know anybody's name unless you're just a Ron Silver super fan and if you are please send us an email at planetxcinema at gmail.com we'd love to talk to you but again uh, to, to get away from that there is just a, a fuck ton of talent that went into this movie and most of the time they get it right it's like yeah, it, it fucking works it, it totally works and like it works even at the points where it doesn't work because it is a very cheesy action movie and there's a lot of hammy stuff and the time travel stuff doesn't make any fucking sense and why there's not two John Clay Van Dams at the end of the movie, I'll never understand. But, but here's the thing, like a group of people got together, had a ridiculous idea, put it all together and then they fucking went for it. Like, it's not ironic. They're not making fun of themselves. They're not trying to do something silly. Like they thought this was really cool and they were right. This is really cool. Like, Time Cop is a cool movie. It's fun to watch. It's cool to see Jean-Claude Van Damme play a little more serious, gruff character. I wish Mia Sarah had a bigger role. That's <laughs> a little weird, but whatever. But it well, kind of uh, works. And, like, and I get why it got picked up as a TV show. I get why it was a comic book. Like, it's a fun concept, man. It's, it's, like, I, a, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a more action movie version of Doctor Who. 
Like, you it's know, really cool. And people don't stop. People haven't stopped trying to make these types of films. And uh, they're almost always based yeah, off there's a reason. Men, Men in Black, um, what is it, uh, R.I.P.D., which was not a good film, but yeah, like... Bridges, it, sure. Yeah. People love this idea of like, well, let's make a cop movie, but let's, let's set it in this fantastical, either oh. science fiction or fantasy world. And you go like, that's awesome. Just follow that Joe Bob Briggs rule. Don't go 50-50. Man, and that's, that's, man, that's a topic for another day is police procedurals and how people fuck those up in movies and TV shows. But we will have to talk about that another day. It's, it's, that is a whole other thing because this movie is free of police procedural nonsense. Pretty much. Although, again, I love, I love the relationship between him and the chief. And I, I think it's really great. That that little yeah, bit yeah, probably get, yeah. they'll probably get edited out of the pod. But I every time those two are on camera together, my God, I, I love those scenes with them. And they, it's good like, scenes. Yeah, you, he's got to like tell him about his wife's cooking to make him remember who he is. And you go like, this is a fucking great movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I think just to put a bow on it, um, if nothing else, it's a movie that you'll uh, you can come watch. We won't charge you anything. You get to hang out at wonderful Kunstler Brewing with nice people and good beer. You get to watch this movie. And if you've never seen it, I hope that it's the next movie that you see that you can't wait to show to one of your friends because that's what it was for me when I first saw it. Man, I said it in the last pod. If you have never seen Time Cop before, please come out to our November 30th uh, showing of Time Cop. You are going to love it. You're going to be with a bunch of people who are going to help you enjoy that movie. If you have seen Time Cop 10 or 100 or 1,000 times, you fucking know why you need to come out and watch Time Cop with a bunch well, of hang out, meet, hang out with a couple more Time Cop fans. You, can't, you can <laughs> never have enough friends who will watch Time Cop with you. That's right. Yeah. If you wear your TEC jacket to the screening, then oh, buddy, you're my new best friend. <laughs> I made I made a joke on Facebook that um, anyone who shows up with a mullet and that can do the splits will get a high five. <laughs> and then I, this offer actually stands for all Planet X screenings, but this one it actually kind of tracks. Yeah, if you if you have a mullet and can do the splits, I want to meet you because we probably share really similar taste in cinema. <laughs> I want to party with you. <laughs> but anyway that's okay that was time cop i don't know what we're gonna do with this i don't know how this uh gets published but i thank you for listening i guess and uh if we you have a- thoughts about time cop or you want to submit a title to planet x cinema you can do that at our website planetxcinema.com. you can email us at planetxcinema at gmail.com uh i hope that this was entertaining uh, if you like this let us know we'd like to do more of these in the future we're hoping that for all of the pictures that we show at the live pop-ups of planet x cinema that we can kind of just do an episode and talk about why we chose that film and why we love it and i'm not sure we accomplished that tonight but we certainly talked about time cop a lot so um hopefully this was entertaining hopefully you liked it um hopefully it was if it wasn't and you could just go wow i just spent some time listening to a couple of assholes talk about time cop that was kind of worthless let us know anyway we don't hate you for it it's fine (laughs) yeah yeah, sure yeah whatever we're just here we're just here to talk to you about shitty movies and and to hear your opinions about them so well why don't you tell them who the hell you are (laughs) 
I have been Drew Hicks. I continue to be Blair Hicks, and the search for Planet X continues. I have nothing goofy to say in these special episodes, so thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. Oh my God, thank you, thank you. Oh, really? yeah, actually, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh my God, thank you. Jesus Christ, people, thank you. Oh, oh.